reading verse number one, and then we'll read down to verse number eight. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, <clears throat> my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus and I beseech Syntechi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this day that you've given us. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We ask that you'd bless our Bible study this morning and then bless the morning worship service to follow. We ask that you'd be with the Sunday school classes downstairs, watch over them, be with the students and the teachers alike. Speak to, to hearts this morning uh, by your spirit and by your word. But we thank you and praise you again for the salvation that we have through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Draw each of us closer to you today in a very real and personal way. Help us to just think about and learn a little bit and be reminded about prayer and the importance of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so on our handout, our, our introductory statement. So the strength of authentic church lies in the prayer life of each member. Prayer is the spark plug that sets in motion the work of the church, as well as keeping our own hearts in tune with the Lord. And so the early church in Jerusalem was characterized as a praying church. So on your handout is Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. And it says here that, and when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus and Judas, the brother of James. And it goes on to say these, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. They were a praying church, and Paul, I, was, I went through Paul's epistles this past week, and I think with the exception of Galatians, every one of his epistles mentions the word or uses the word prayer, praying, prayed. Um, and so it's, and then obviously Jesus uh, taught the disciples how to pray. They said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And, and um, not only did he teach them, but by example uh, with regards to praying. But the importance of prayer. And um, the Philippian church 
we're reading this epistle, was established on Paul's second missionary journey. And it's really the first European city that Paul visited and uh, brought the gospel to. And uh, uh, Philippi is in what is now the country of Greece. Anybody know, does anybody know, Lydia, who the first convert of Philippi was? Because it was Lydia, that's why. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Lydia. It's a mean trick. I know, I caught you off guard there. I'm sorry. All right. But uh, she was shocked. <laughs> Lydia, that was the first contact. And I'll give you a second chance, Lydia. You want a second chance? No. 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 I was going to ask you if you knew what she sold. There you go. <laughs> the seller of purple. And uh, I'll move on from Lydia because she's getting annoyed at her father. I can, t I can tell. She's getting very annoyed. So I'll move on to her brother and uh, Adam. So I'm going to try to annoy you. It doesn't take much. Uh, but I, uh, but uh, So she was the seller of purple. And what took place? Uh, why was she important? Other than the fact that, yes, she was the first convert, and uh, she was a seller of purple. You usually get these, that's why. Me? Yeah. You're asking, oh, you're asking? I'm asking you. No. Oh, uh, did the church meet in her house? Yes. Yeah, the first church, the church in, in Philippi met in her house. She opened up her home. See, I knew I could depend on her. Church, I knew, I knew I could depend on her. And uh, she helped church. That's where they, that's, you know, almost... For almost or around the first 100 years of the early church, that's kind of where they met, in people's homes. And uh, there were no buildings like this where we meet, and, and um, they would, people would volunteer places to meet, and that's where, that's where they would go, and that's where they would meet. But like in many of the cities, when Christianity was brought to them, there was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of pushback by the Roman government, by the idol worshipers. I mean, all through Europe, there was uh, idolatry. You remember that, that Paul is bringing the gospel now, he's bringing it primarily to Gentiles. And so there was a whole other dynamic when you, brought the, when you brought the gospel to Gentiles who were idol worshipers versus when the gospel was being brought to, to, to Jews who, who did believe in the one true living God but now were introduced to the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, who had they been taught to look for. And again, the early church in the beginning, primarily made up of Jewish believers, but then they began to expand the gospel out to um, the uttermost parts of the world, to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. That was the Great Commission to go. So the believers there in Philippi, they faced a lot of pushback. And so the instruction here is being given to them. Uh, Paul writes this letter to them, and uh, he's encouraging them here as new believers uh, how to put their faith into practice. And so today's lesson is about prayer and the importance of prayer. Um, so three points to this Sunday School lesson today. The first is the patience of the believers. And look, at, look again here at verses 5 and 6. 
So Paul writes, and he said this, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. And so that word moderation that's there, if you notice on your handout, that, that word is defined by, their, that's their attitude, that their attitude would be mild and gracious, there'd be a tender, tenderness, a reasonableness uh, to their behavior, uh, and, and to be patient. And they were called to do this as they endured different trials in their lives. Um, Paul would write to Timothy, and he would write in 1 Timothy 6.6 6 to, to remind him that, listen, godliness with contentment is great gain. And um, to just impress that upon them. And, and one of the marks of the early church, and should be the mark of, of all Christians, is that when we face difficulties that we endure graciously. And, um, and I've said this, I haven't said this in a long time, but there's, in my life personally, there were three men who influenced me as far as my spirituality goes. Uh, first, of course, would be my dad, who loved the Lord. And... Um, was a, just a, a, a great example uh, to me. And then uh, my uh, pastor, Pastor Ainsworth, wasn't a perfect man, but taught me a lot of things about the Bible and uh, about ministry, taught me some things not to do, uh, taught me some things to do. Um, and so I'm thankful to him. And, uh, and then my stepfather, who was a very gracious man, I felt. And... Um, so those three men were um, very influential in my life. But that, the graciousness that uh, probably learned a lot about graciousness from my stepfather because we would debate different, uh, we were from kind of two different Christian camps. And uh, I was, uh, we, we would get into these great debates that my mother would get nervous about when we were visiting. And uh, I, I had to tell my mom, calm down, we're okay. Well, we may not agree, but we'll, we'll end up uh, still as friends and still caring about one another. And then I, he began to, uh, after we began to do this, when, when he knew we were coming to visit, I began to realize he began to study up on different topics. And uh, he was prepared for me to come. But I'm actually thankful for some of the things that he said, because it kind of moved my whole Christianity in a different direction as far as some of the stands that, that I did or did not take. And I'm thankful for that. And you, and you meet people through life that influence you, right? And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. But enduring, uh, he's teaching here the believers, he's teaching the believers there, listen, you need to endure. What, what, whatever you're going through, you need to endure it. You need to learn to endure it graciously and, 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 and patiently as well. Look again on your handout here. Uh, the very bottom of the front page, where Paul writes in the book of Hebrews, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And that's a great, right in the middle of that, those, that part of that verse that I have underlined, where it says, uh, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I think it was in a book that I read years ago by uh, Harry Blackaby, 
I think he came up with this term. It's not, it probably it's not original, but, but the term in that book was practicing his presence, meaning practicing the presence of Jesus in our lives. And uh, that's really what, when Paul is writing here in Philippians chapter 4, let your moderation be known unto all men, that, that phrase at the end, the Lord is at hand, that's what that's referring to, that, that, that we have the presence of Jesus in our lives all the time. And um, we should be thankful for that. Amen? But we should be conscious of that. You know, we forget that, that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whoever we're with, um, the Lord is with us. He's always with us. He's promised that. He promised that he would never leave, nor, nor would he forsake us. And so we're to be reminded that not only is the Lord always near, but by the way, we should be reminded that the Lord is coming back. And uh, he's going to return. And, um, and I remember as a young Christian, my pastor would, would preach that a lot and would talk about what are you going to be doing when Jesus comes back? And that really kind of sunk home with me. Where would I be? And he would, he would remind us, we don't want to be, be somewhere or doing something or acting in some way that would be kind of a reproach to the things of the Lord. Um, and so that's important. But do you practice? I guess I'm asking. That he, Paul is, asking, is telling the church in Philippi, are you practicing the presence of Jesus in your life? You're always thinking that he's there with you. What you're about to say, what you're about to do. So he reminds them of that here in, in point number one, this enduring graciously and um, patiently. Um, in verse 6, be careful for nothing, he says here. He, he encourages them continuously. Be careful for nothing or be, be anxious for nothing. So he kind of sets this up before he gets into the whole uh, issue here of prayer. And um, he's just reminding them of some things. Again, on the back of your handout, now Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 26. Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you should put, what you should put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, and neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? I was speaking with somebody yesterday who, who uh, hadn't been in church for a while because they've been ill. And, um, and just now they're starting to, they were hospitalized, that's how ill they were. And they're just starting to feel better. And now they're going through another trial just when it seemed like everything was, was starting to move in the other direction. And, um, you know, they think, well, is God punishing me? And uh, I tried to reassure them, but I didn't think that God was, I didn't know why God was allowing them to go through what they were going through. But that God loved them and cared for them and um, was watching out for them. And they knew that. But you know how when you're going through things like that, your mind begins to kind of play tricks on you or, 
or the, the enemy attacks and tries to convince you of um, things that may not be going on. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I was glad I could stop and encourage them that way. Um, but the scriptures remind us that the Lord is with us all the time. And so Paul writes to the church there in Philippi, who they're going through times of difficulty. He reminds them of that. And then he says in verse 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So we move to the second point, and that's the prayers of the believers. How is your prayer life? That's the question. How is it? Because it's really vital to your Christianity. I've, I've said ever since I was in the ministry, if you're, you know, we talk about the walk of faith. If you're not in the scriptures regularly and you're not in prayer regularly, that's how you walk by faith. And that's how you walk in the faith. It's a walk. And that means one foot goes in front of the other and you journey. That's, the, that's how you take the journey. You're not going to be going very far if you're not in the scriptures regularly and you're not in prayer regularly. In fact, while I think it's vitally important that you, are, you assemble at the Lord's house and we come and sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word, but if that's all you do on a Sunday and then you're not in God's Word on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on, and you're not in prayer on those other days, you're not really going to advance very far in your walk with the Lord. Um, and quite frankly, the reason that you come and you assemble is for somebody like myself or Pastor Ethan or somebody, the Sunday school teachers to encourage you to get into the scriptures regularly and to pray regularly and to spend that time. And, and Paul knew that there with the church in Philippi. They were going to need to daily be spending time with the Lord. And that, we, 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 we should always remember, that's the Lord's desire. Look, look on your handout. I read this quote this past week, so I wrote it down for you. Some people think that God does not like to be troubled by our constant coming and asking. And they said, the way to trouble God, and I'm not really sure you can trouble God, but the way to trouble God is not to come to Him at all. So you understand that some people say, oh, I can't, this is such a small thing, I'm not going to bring it to the Lord. No, 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 whether it's a small thing or whether it's a big thing, talk to the Lord about it. Speak to the Lord about it. I've had people tell me who are believers over time, something's happened in their lives. Somebody actually said this to me not long ago. They said, I'm kind of angry with God for what's, what I'm going through. And I said, listen, just go ahead. God, you can talk to God about that. He already knows about that. He's got big enough shoulders to handle the fact that you might be angry with him. Just talk to him about it. And, um, but, but the Lord desires that we speak with him. Again on your handout, Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, 
but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Everything about this as a believer that, well, what do you, if, if you want to talk to the Lord, what, what are the requirements? Let me ask you. What are the requirements if you want to talk to the Lord? If you want to go and, and bring your request in, what are they? Ginny said if you didn't hear her, she gave the correct answer. There are no requirements. Now that's assuming that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're born again, washed by the blood of the Lamb. But there are no requirements. There are no steps that you have to take to talk to God. There's no program that you have to be involved with. None of that. There's no appointment that you have to make. Well, yeah, if, if you've ever had a problem with your car lately, if you try to make an appointment with a mechanic, it's like you've got to wait two weeks to get the car fixed. There's no appointment that you have to make. The door's always wide open. And uh, I, I, I just thought of this. When I was in Belarus years ago, the Belarusians, all, not all, but many of them had a gate around their house a picket gate, and the gate was always left open, and it was a symbol. They did that on purpose. In fact, there's a, there's a memorial park that we went to, and in that park, there are 270 glass boxes with dirt in it, and there are chimneys, and there are fences with gates at these glass boxes. And you might say, well, what is that all about? So every glass box and every gate and every chimney that's there represents a village that was burned to the ground in World War II. And it's dirt from that village. And um, it's a memorial to those people who died in the war. But the gate, it was an open gate. It was a welcome gate to the home. You're always welcome. And so the throne of grace is that way. The gate is always open. And Paul reminds them of that. And it's the Lord's desire that we come to him and speak with him and talk with him and um, just bring our request to him. It brings great joy to him. Um, he intercedes for us. He's our advocate. These are things that when we talk often about our salvation, we're always talking about this is what he did. So Jesus, we talk about well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and he died and he paid for our sin and he shed his blood on the cross. And that's true. But today he's our advocate. This is what he's doing today. Today there's intercession that's being made. And he, the Lord loves it when you come and bring your prayer requests to him. He just he great, brings him great joy. So be careful. And on your handout, I have, the, these aren't exclusive. These are four, four hindrances to your prayer life. Now, the first one I wrote down is pride. Why would pride be a hindrance to your prayer life? Somebody tell me. Why would pride be a hindrance to you praying or bringing your request to the Lord? Got pride? Why pray? Got pride? Why pray? Why? But yeah, you're right, but I can do it on my own. That's right. That's what it's about. I can do it on my own. I don't need the Lord. 
Anything else? Any, any other thoughts with regards to that and pride? Yes? I don't, I don't need to. I don't need to. It kind of lends itself that I can do it all on my own, right? Pride. That's why people sometimes don't pray. Uh, but be careful, too, that, that, that thought of, well, this is just a little thing. I don't really need to talk to the Lord about this. That's a dangerous, that's dangerous. The Lord wants us to talk to him about everything. And that kind of lends itself back to practicing the presence of the Lord, just talking to the Lord all the time. Uh, you know, it, Paul wrote to the church in, in uh, Thessalonica, and he said, pray without ceasing. That's what that's about, just having a conversation with the Lord on a regular basis. Um, sometimes we think we need to be, some people think they need to be in church to pray, or they need to be uh, at a special, uh, uh, down on their knees and, and with their hands folded, and, and, uh, and that, all of that is fine, but you can be talking and praying to the Lord as you drive down the road. Just keep your eyes open, amen? <laughs> so, I used to tease my kids that when they were, when they were, we'd go to McDonald's or something. I pray like that. So they think I'm. So. Yeah. I know you're trying not to smile. I know, but you're failing. You're failing. <laughs> oh, you're sleeping. <laughs> Probably. So. All right. What's the second one? <laughs> unbelief. So why people don't pray? Because what, what do I mean by unbelief? When people don't pray, the unbelief, how does that? Right. My prayer won't be answered, so why should I pray? I think it's a lack of patience. Like in the past, they've experienced God did, did have to wait. They don't like that, so it's like, well, it's going to take forever to answer anyway, so. So they give up. Yeah. yeah that's true. Unbelief. Anything else? Yes, Jim. I would, I would say, uh, if had, someone might say, well, I'm not going to church, I'm not reading my Bible. God doesn't like Right. When Pastor Ethan put out that um, uh, a couple of months ago, when we put out on Facebook publicly, if you need prayer, contact the church and we'll pray for you. Uh, it was overwhelming how many people contacted the church. Just unbelievable. Some of them, I started to read, some of them, uh, many of them, we knew who they were. Uh, we offered to talk with them. He's kind of putting something a little bit different together, do the same thing. But I was astounded as I went down the list of how many of them I recognized as people who at one time or another came to church. And uh, some of them, even in some of their responses, admitted that they were not in church. And um, it's just unbelievable. So, I, you know, my heart's desire and prayer would be that they would be back in church. But I guess the flip side to that was, I'm glad that they're, they, why and wherever they are spiritually and why they're not in church. And some of them are in church. They were in different churches. They just wanted prayer. But I could at least think that over the years we had a spiritual influence on them so they still have some kind of a connection spiritually to the things of God. You understand what I'm saying? They, it's just that, 
but, but Jim is right. Sometimes people, when they're out of church, um, in fact, I had somebody say this to me recently, too. Last week, or a couple of weeks ago, we had our Young at Heart meeting at our house. We had a good group of people there. We had a good time. And I was visiting with someone, and they said, I was thinking of coming, but I haven't been in church for a while, so I just didn't want to show up at that. I said, well, you would have been more than welcome to come. We would have been glad that you came. You know, that's sometimes those, the, the groups that Ethan is doing, some, those groups are, are also for people who aren't in church. It's to introduce them to people who are in church and to encourage them. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Anything else with regards to unbelief, why people don't pray? Discouragement. Discouragement, yeah, absolutely. What else? Anything else? They don't think he's going to answer, or maybe they don't think he hears, or maybe they don't think he's quite as important, uh, or, or, or they, don't, they don't think he thinks that they're important. You know, who am I? I'm just a, a nothing. Why would God answer my prayers? And those are all tools of the wicked one to discourage us from bringing our request to the Lord. And then busyness. Um... So sometimes when we think of busyness, we think of things, well, there are important things that we do that keep us busy, right? Busyness, just, busyness isn't necessarily bad. Sometimes we're just busy. And these are things that we do. We have, we have families that we're raising. We have work um, and other things. But um, we, we, if you're too busy to pray, you need to pray. Take a moment to pray and ask the Lord to help you find time in your busyness to pray. <laughs> That's just what you need to do. Um, or if you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy. Maybe there's something that you can, maybe you could actually spend maybe one, less, one half hour less on Facebook each day. Or, or television or whatever. There's always time, but be careful that you don't become so busy. I, and I, listen, this happens to me sometimes. And I'm, this is what I do for a living. And, and there are days I get so busy and all of a sudden I realize three, four hours into the day, you know, I haven't really stopped and had some time, had, had prayer with the Lord today. So whatever I'm doing, I'll just stop and uh, put it to the side. And it may not be as long as I pray some days, but I'll just spend a few minutes with the Lord and I'll pray and talk with the Lord and, and, uh, and then move on from there. Um, I think you should try to have a regular time that you pray. And for people, some people like to pray in the morning, some people in the evening, but you should try to have a time. Jesus talked about having a prayer closet, a place that you go to pray. That'll, that helps in maintaining a, a vibrant prayer life. And then point number four here is laziness. A lot of people don't pray because they're just lazy. And that sounds kind of harsh, but it's true. Because never forget the dynamic of prayer. When you, when you enter into prayer, you, in, you enter into a spiritual warfare. Because Satan hates it when you pray. So don't forget that. That you know, you've accepted Christ as your Savior. You're a believer. But now we, we've entered into a spiritual warfare. 
And whatever the Lord builds up, Satan wants to tear down. And so you're gauged. It's a combat. And so prayer, um, sometimes you enter into a time of prayer and you're, I'm going to pray. And, and all of a sudden you get bombarded with this thought. You get bombarded with that thought. I've got to do this. And we can sometimes just give up. Or somebody said earlier, well, I think it was Adam said, we pray and God doesn't answer, so we just give up. But clearly the scriptures time and time again tell us to just continue to pray and to pray and to pray and to pray. Ephesians 6.18 on your handout, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So keep praying or start praying if you're not praying. Then lastly, as we've run out of time, the believer's delivery. Let me just, let's just go to Acts chapter 16, and we'll finish here because we won't have any more time. But this is one of my favorite illustrations of prayer in the Bible. Acts chapter 16. Paul's arrested here in Acts chapter 16, verse 23. They're actually in the city of Philippi, where this, you know, when Paul writes the letter to Philip, the, 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 uh, the epistle, the Philippian epistle, he's writing that from Rome. But this is now, and we're in the book of Acts, this is when he was in Philippi, and this is when he was starting the church there. And so um, the idol worshipers were upset because Paul is preaching against idolatry. They get the magistrate all riled up. And the Jews all riled up and say that these men are troubling our city. They teach customs that are not lawful for us to receive. Um, and so they rise up. They um, beat them, uh, picking it up in verse number 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So before we read the, the next verse and finish up, so boy, if there would be anything that would discourage you, is there you are preaching the gospel and serving the Lord and doing right by him, and you get arrested for it, and you get beaten for it, and you get thrown into prison for it. And you would think, man, what's the deal here, God? I mean, we're doing everything you told us to do. Well, what was their attitude? Verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened. Everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. By the way, if he didn't kill himself, that was the law. If you were guarding prisoners then as a Roman and the prisoners got away, you gave your life for that. And of course, we've run out of time again. So Paul stops him. No, 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 don't do that. Don't kill yourself. And he actually leads this man and he leads his family to Christ. But the point is they had peace while they were there in the prison. They sang at midnight and they sang praises and they prayed unto the Lord. They were practicing the presence of the Lord. The peace of the believer, the gift of peace, and the guardianship of peace. Um, 
when we have a vibrant prayer life, when the issues of life come, it's not that sometimes we don't get upset and anxious by them, but if we'll allow the Holy Spirit then to remind us, wait a minute, just like stop. Be anxious for nothing. This is also the benefit of memorizing Scripture and reading the Bible because that's when the Holy Spirit brings these verses back to your mind. Wait a minute, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So, yeah, I'm troubled. I'm, I'm stressed out by this, but I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to practice the presence of the Lord. I'm going to bring this to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to seek the, the gift of peace and the guardianship of peace that the Lord provides in this particular instance. And I'll do that again and again and again. So, don't neglect your prayer life. Know that throughout your life, you're going to have the ups and downs of life, family issues, job-related issues, health issues. Practice the presence of the Lord. Just get into a vibrant prayer life. So when trouble does come, you've already established that. And in the good times, you can give thanks unto the Lord as you pray. Leave you with this. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, you know, you take the three, the letters, an acronym. Is that what it's called? Like pray, right? So, so the word prayer. P for praise. That should be part of your prayer life. Um, R is repent. A is ask, and Y is yield. Those are like four elements of prayer: praising God through prayer, repenting of your sin, confessing it to Him. Asking for whatever the needs might be, and asking or and yielding yourself to the guiding and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. And thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and listening. Thank you for the privilege that you give us. And to help us to remind it of the truths found in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.